What's going on everyone and welcome back. I hope you enjoyed our first episode. An issue that I'm having is trying to decide which music that I want for this pod. Because there's just so much good music in this world and I listen to so many different artists, I think what I'm probably going to do is just have a different song for every episode. Or feel free to send me songs that you like. I'll even throw them on here in an episode or two. Huge thank you goes out to everyone who listened and I appreciate your feedback. It really means the world. And later this week, we're going to be on Apple Podcasts and around next week-ish, the following week, YouTube channel will be up and running so you'll be able to visually see our guests via Skype and see the energy that we're sharing. But in this episode here, we have our first guest, Quinn Law. He attended Bryant University where he became a Bryant Bulldog. He went in as a D1 football player and came out with a Martin Luther King Jr. Leadership Award. As someone who speaks on social injustices, he brings a perspective of inspiring others to be the change that we need in this world. And another little side note on Quinton, my favorite football team, the Carolina Panthers hired their new head coach this week, Matt Rule. And after Rule was hired, Quinton actually reached out to me and told me that Rule was the first coach to invite him to a recruiting camp. And this was when Rule was coaching at Temple. I just found it an extremely coincidental connection between my passion for the Panthers and having Quentin as my first guest. But I hope you enjoy our conversation. We now welcome on former Bryant football player and now campaign activist, Quentin Law. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate you having me on and uh, I appreciate everything that you've been doing with free parking and the new show that you have coming up. Thanks, man. So uh, just to jump right into things, obviously football, it's been a huge part of your life. Could you take us back to the beginning of your football career? Could you say possibly middle school? Is that when it started? Uh, I actually, so fun fact, I've been, I played football for 17 years. Um, I started in first grade, um, but I was that kid that was playing three sports a year. Um, you know, every season there was a new sport coming up and um, I have really young parents, too. They had me when they were 19 years old. So um, a way to kind of get me into sports and get me into, you know, making friends and extracurricular activity was sports. And um, I kind of found that as a way to grow not only my friend, my friendships, but to learn life lessons along the way. Like, you know, when you're young, you learn so much, so many things from those dads that are taking the time to coach and uh I think I, I I was always playing. I was always in like it was it was football, basketball, and then the spring I did soccer, lacrosse, track. So um, I was definitely the athletic type growing up. Yeah, you, you played a lot of sports, but why football? Eventually, going into high school and college, you didn't play lacrosse in high school, did you? Yeah, I played lacrosse in high school. Okay. Um, I and I ran track in high school as well, um, but. I'd say once I moved into high school, like I was just growing as a person, um, growing as a man and uh, growing as an athlete. I think that when I when I first went to high school, you know, I was very unmotivated. Um, I I remember looking up. Um, I was looking up colleges that don't require SAT and the lowest GPA that you could possibly get to go to a college, the highest accepting rate schools. Um, I was just looking for the easiest way to make it um, to college. Um, my parents never went to college. They're both high school dropouts. And uh, so I never had 
a direct person to go to and ask about college. So I was just trying to figure out how I could get in without doing the mo- with doing the least possible work. And it wasn't until sophomore year when due to a few injuries, um, I ended up playing football, I mean, ended up playing varsity um, as a sophomore that I was like, you know what, maybe I could take a next step with this. Um, but I found, you know, quickly that in order to take that next step, I would need to perform in the classroom. Uh, I had a cumulative GPA of like a 2.2. Um, I was nowhere near eligible. And that was really the time that I decided, you know, if I really want to do this, um, I need to set a goal for myself and I need to I need to complete that. And that's by doing well in the classroom and also performing on the field. And I think that's where I made that decision is when I was like, I really want to do this. How am I going to get there? And I kind of laid these three things out classroom, like off the field performance and on the field performance. So that's kind of that's kind of how football became the thing. But it was really I was faced with this hard decision, which was like you either got to grow up right now or keep doing what you're doing and you're not going to any college, you know. Right. Right. So then when when you get to college, you obviously are taking classes. Yeah. You begin that that grind, the daily workouts, the practices. Could you take us through the, the kind of the job that you had once you got to college? Because it is a job. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you're in high school, I'm sure, and you know this as well, football is definitely about the town. Um, it's about it's about really just the love of the game, going out there every Friday night, playing in front of your friends and your family. Um, once, I go, once you go to college, it gets a lot more transactional, um, you know, that, but it's definitely a job um, in the way that, you know, there's there's trade-offs. You know, you got to wake up at 6 a.m. to go to your lift. And then after the 6 a.m. lift, you have breakfast at 9. Then you have class until 2. Then you have meetings, then practice. And then by that point, it's 6 o'clock. You take a deep breath, it's 8 o'clock. And then you got homework to do from 8 to 12. So it's definitely a schedule. And, um, you know, I give credit to anybody that's played four years at any level in college because, you know, this is hard. And I think everyone likes to romanticize the view of a college athlete. Like they get their work done for them and they get all these easy things handed to them. But that's the case for some, but definitely not all. I mean, there was uh, there was cases where people expected more from me because I was an athlete because they thought that, you know, you you get all these things handed to you, and which is definitely not the case. I mean, and if you play on a team, you know that the team changes drastically every single year. Um, guys don't make it. They leave college. College is not for everybody. Um, I think everyone has the right to, to to try. I think everyone has the right to pursue an education, but not everybody makes it, and that's a sad reality. So I have so much respect for anyone that's made it four years playing any sport at any level because it is a commitment, especially at Division One. Though you know, you're it's a it's a it's a job. You, you're working over 40 hours a week doing that activity. Absolutely, absolutely. So this kind of transitions into the most important question that I wanted to ask you, relating to the position that you have now. Mm-hmm. So we know, or a lot of us do know, that you are involved politically. And yeah. I know that you were involved politically before this situation that I'm about to mention. But I know that you had an encounter with Eagle safety Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah. Could you kind of go into that situation for us? Yeah. Um, so pretty much uh, the senior year of my college career, um, going into it was Super Bowl Sunday. Um, funny enough, it was Super Bowl Sunday. Um, and basically I, there was, 
you know, I went to a primarily white school in Rhode Island, you know, it's a business school, conservative, you run into people that aren't the best on race or any issues like that. Um, but basically, one thing led to another, I ended up being around a woman that used racial, you know, epithets, you know, um, and slurs, uh, or slur in my in my presence. Um, and I called her on it, and she didn't seem to care. Um, so I didn't know who she was, but one thing led to another. Uh, I ended up making a Facebook post about it, about my experience. Um, and because of that Facebook post, it ended up going, it, it was, you know, shared a decent amount of times. Uh, um, and word quickly spread throughout the state of Rhode Island. Um, I was pressured by the school to take the post down because I was talking about an experience that happened to me on campus. Um, and I ended up making another post about how now I'm receiving pressure from school officials to take my post down, not to talk about my negative experience on campus. Um, it all in the effort to protect this girl because, I mean, this woman, because she was allegedly, allegedly um, receiving threats. Um, now, I totally, I totally understand that, but basically the situation um, kind of became way bigger than I ever thought it could be. Um, after being shared all over Facebook hundreds and hundreds of times, the Providence Journal, which is one of the biggest media media so out like um, media sources in the Northeast, picked up the story um, on the front page, and it was it was just crazy. After that, you know, I was getting reached out by thousands of people um, all over the country, uh, sharing their stories about their experiences um, on primarily white campuses and their experiences speaking to administration that try to suppress what happened. You know, colleges have a terrible reputation for trying to sweep things under the rug, especially private institutions, um, public institutions too, because uh, they have state funding that they're risking. But basically after the Providence Journal article dropped about my story, um, things really started to, it was, I started doing these interviews and I started talking about race on college campus. Um, and then Malcolm Jenkins on Twitter tweeted my story out um, and said, you know, keep fighting, like just a quick message about like, stay in there. Like this is, you're doing the right thing and you, and you need to keep fighting. Um, and that really took it from here to here um, because it was, it went from people that all around the country that were just like Brian alum, like um, somehow connected to Brian in some sort of way that they would see it on their social media or Providence where they would see the Providence Journal to a national um, and that national story um, was picked up by inside higher education um, a few media outlets which really drew attention to Bryant's campus and the problem with race that they had on campus now I thank Malcolm for tweeting that because without his help in that I really don't think we would have made the changes that we made at Bryant and the, and the changes that we did make at Bryant after that happened you know there was a massive momentum from um, students of color and white allies on campus. Um, people wanted this to be a conversation that we were no longer pushing under the rug. So we ended up putting together two conversations with over 2000 people, um, Brian, members of the Bryan community to talk to, uh, openly about race and our experiences on campus. Um, one thing led to another, the vice president um, that pressured me stepped down where, uh, getting a new president. We're hiring multiple positions um, in the athletic department, um, presidential assistants, 
um, expanding the center of diversity of inclusion. So there is progress that is being made. There's still a long way to go, but if it wasn't for people like Malcolm Jenkins and people like um, the Foundation of Individuals' Rights and in Education, I just want to give them a shout out. They're a law firm in Philadelphia that protects the free speech for students on college campuses. Um, they were behind the scenes helping out tremendously as well, um, which was completely elevating to me because, you know, as a, like I said, I don't come from money or, you know, I'm from Morristown. I have tremendous privilege, but money isn't one of them. And, and I think that, you know, when someone comes to you and it's like, you're about to get sued for slander for something that you posted on Facebook, I'm like, I don't even know a lawyer. Yeah. You know what I mean, I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know a lawyer that I could just call right now. Like, I have yeah. no idea. So, so it was just, it was, it was a, it was a mess. It was very stressful. Um, something, you know, I, I, I wasn't able to go to class because it was to the point where every conversation I was having was about this situation. Wow. Um, so I was, I just took off and it was the last semester of my senior year. So it was like, you know, I had to fin I'd pass some classes or I wasn't going to pass, but it, you know, it created real racial tension at our school. And I think that's a reflection of what's going on in our country. I mean, you know, and people, I think, I, you know, we're at a real time where people are divided. Um, that's why I think it's important to have these open conversations about race and be willing to acknowledge who we are and what we are. We're not silencing our identity for the sake of civility. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm going to be the person I am. And... You know, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be proud to be the person I am, and you should respect me for that. Not because we're all Americans, you know what I mean? Like because I'm a I'm a biracial young man that takes that seriously. Um, but yeah, that was crazy, you know. And there's haters, man. There's haters. There's people that don't like don't like talking about race as much as like I had people that were reporting. I had people anonymously like, accusing me of cheating in classes, like like anonymous notes, like going to teachers saying that I'm like cheating on tests. Like it was ridiculous, but you know, now that's over and I'm trying to take the the next step to opening up that conversation online um, right. through, my, through my Instagram, which is QLawNation um, and, and show people that, hey, like we're a lot more uh, common than we are different. Yeah. Um, the thing is, let's just talk about these, this diversity, like it's not dangerous or controversial especially because there are now platforms for everyone to talk on. A hundred percent, a hundred and a hundred and ten percent. Because we have more accessibility to everyone. So let's bring about the issues at hand. And let's stop, yeah. let's stop hiding it. But I think it's very interesting that football was such a big part of your life. And for, you could say an issue or a situation to catapult like that. And for a football player to be involved and to kind of assist that being Malcolm Jenkins. It's funny yeah. how full circle it kind of comes back around it, like that. It's crazy. It's crazy. I remember I was looking at my phone and I, I tweeted, I, the story was coming out and I tweeted it out and I was just looking at my phone and like, I stopped that at that point, I wasn't looking at any text messages. I was off of, cause the original post was on Facebook and I was, I had a public Facebook. So I was like, and I couldn't answer my messages cause there was like literally like 2k messages like literally two and i was like bro i'm not going through every single i went i eventually just went through them and i didn't respond because it was too late but um for some of them but a, a lot of them i got to um but it was like i just saw on twitter malcolm jenkins ret retweeted it and then he unretweeted it then quote tweeted it and was oh. like yo like you know tweeting his support which really is full circle it's amazing 
um, you know, that 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 experience is something that I would have never ever thought would be possible. Right. Um, this, this year was filled with things that I would have never thought would have been possible to happen in my life. Um, like I said, I went to college. I started high school not even thinking I was going to play college sports. Went to college thinking I would have an opportunity to play in the NFL and then left college with a completely different path. And I couldn't be more happy um, that of the path that I'm on. Yeah. Congratulations, man. And, and you graduated, right? Yes. Graduated and, with a degree in economics. Yeah. And you're the first in your immediate family to graduate from college, man. Yeah. First generation college student. Yep. So <laughs> Thanks. You, could you kind of go into tying football in to what you do now in your day to day? Yeah. You know that there are some similarities. Yeah. So um, basically, you know, I when I got to college um, and even before I went to college, you know, my love for football was my love for football still is more than, you know, I, I love that game. It's taught me so many life lessons. Um, I when I was in college and even the year before I was dealing with injuries, um, I got surgery on both of my knees. Um, you know, the list goes down um, and I was dealing with injuries almost every year of my college career. Um, and that's not an excuse um but it's definitely what happened the truth of what happened um and i think that that time that i used in rehab and not on the field you know i was really lost um and it started my senior year of high school when i first got hurt um for those that don't know i didn't even play my senior year of high school um because of an injury that i received that i endured it during the first game of my senior year of high school um so i you know that was always kind of a struggle for me to get back onto the field because that football was my escape um from you know my own my own issues um and it was just kind of like a support that was no longer there when i was in college um and you know you go through relationships you go through ups and downs while you're in school and to not have that thing to kind of lean back on definitely leaves you lost um, and, you know, going through like, you know, I, I'm not I'm not I'm no I'm not shy to admit that I su do have anxiety and I do suffer from like depression and other things like that. But I think that it's important to acknowledge that because when you don't acknowledge it, you end up bottling things in and then you end up exploding. And I think that's the point that I was at in school. You know, I was I was very upset and quick to get mad. But I really think I, it came down to me realizing that, you know, that's because I had this thing in my life, a.k.a. football, that was just such an escape for me that I was relying way too much on. Um, I wasn't talking to anybody, not my friends, not my family. Um, so and they were getting it the worst. You know, they were you know, they were like, what's going on, Quentin? You know, you uh, you upset, like, you know, thinking that things are wrong. But it's really like I'm just bottling these things up because I have the pressure to remain this masculine division one football player that everything is okay um and and that's not okay and unfortunately i see a lot of people um in this space of division one athlete uh di division one athletics especially football that suffer from that toxic masculinity that they're literally killing themselves because they don't feel like they need to talk talk about this oh, i don't need to talk about that you know and athlete kind of thing yeah and i yeah. Yeah, you know, I, if I could if I could run rush for 400 yards, I don't need to talk to, you know, a, a shrink or I don't need to tell people about how the, the, the problems are going on back at home. 
with my family, you know what I mean? And I think that that's a space that we're kind of getting more into as time goes on. You know, people are becoming more open to talking about it. But, you know, we're still we still have a long way to go. And I think politics is where I found that next like thing that I could do. And that's where I founded um, the first the um, Bryant Democratic Organization that's at uh, Bryant um, and became the president of that club and getting involved in Rhode Island politics was a way for me to work, compete and kind of find an extracurricular that while I was injured um, was able to keep my attention, like keep my, you know, attention, give me something to do um, with meaning and purpose and something that I could build. Um, so, so that was kind of a, a, an outlet for me. And as I got into that, I started to realize, excuse me, I started to realize the similarities between that and football. Um, you know, electoral politics is a competition. <laughs> you know, this is, you know, when you got to, when you have people on a campaign and presidential candidates or any kind of candidate, you know, they're competing to win. Um, that is first and foremost, the first similarity, uh, it's, you know, and a lot of the times it gets pretty intense. Um, you know, the di five days leading up to an election when you're out knocking on doors, like talking about four o'clock in the morning, putting sticky notes on people's doors, like go vote, go vote. Um, and then seeing the benefit, the reaping, the reward of your, your work, you know, when you see, when you've knocked 5,000 doors and that candidate that's going to be the yet the the one more yes vote that you need on legalization of marijuana to get into the state house you know that that is the work where you're like wow this was all worth it um and and people get people get lost in that you know we get we get into presidential politics and people think that that's all that matters but in reality you know all this stuff is getting passed at the state level that could really change your life um whether it's like healthcare or you know, uh, social security or anything like that. It could really make a difference. So that's where I kind of found that change in the first, my first campaign, um, which was working with the governor of Rhode Island and the senator of Rhode Island, um, was just so amazing to see the work that we put in and how that translates into a successful campaign. And then you see them in Congress or in the governor's, you know, office, and you're like, you know, I help, I was a part of getting getting you here, which is a very rewarding thing to be a part of that team yeah. and it's not to mention the teamwork aspect of it too you know of course yeah it's, just, uh, it's it's interesting to see how a sport such as football or even lacrosse basketball whatever it may be it really builds a base for your foundation and yeah. what you're really looking for in life and what you like what you mm -hmm. like what you don't like if you like working with people if you don't like working with people so then for you to take this political avenue it's really a moving story and it's it's really incredible Thanks. I appreciate that. I, um, you know, I, 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 I encourage um, other athletes, men and women, to really consider the space as well, because, um, you know, it's not as bad as people make it seem. And it's also it's all it's honestly a lot of fun. Um, and that's why I do it. I mean, I brought some when I was in college, I brought some of my younger teammates with me to Election Day in 2018. Um, and they were like, dude, this is amazing. Like, it's high energy. You know, once we win, there's a party. Like we're watching the polls come back on CNN. It's it's fun. It's a good time. And and, and you know, you take your L's. <laughs> you take your L's for sure. Yeah. Um, and but you know, the the wins and the stories that you hear along the way remind you. You know, 
this is a good thing and um, I'm just trying to do a work where I can compete and be a part of a team that is making some sort of positive change. Just, uh, and, and really quick, the last question that I have for you, mm -hmm. you said that you take your L's. Would you consider the L's more important than the W's? Yes. Um, but this is my problem. Uh, my problem is I focus too much on my L's and not enough on my W's. Um, but I think that learning from the, you learn from your losses and life brings you lessons. So I always look at it like that. Um, you know, I've, I've, you know, been, uh, been up here and down here. And when I'm down there, I always remember, you know, the, the mountaintops aren't, are going to teach like the rock bottom will teach you things that mountaintops never will. And if you're always winning, you're never going to change. So when life gives you lessons, you know, you need to take it. You need to take those, learn from it and be better because those L's become W's. And um, I think I think that's the biggest takeaway um, because people get so drawn up and oh, all this bad, all these bad things are happening to me like all at once, you know. And, you know, sometimes you just got to weather the storm. And once you get out of it, it's grass is much greener. And um, I can say with confidence that that's been the case almost every time if you have faith and believe in yourself and just know that, you know, things, things aren't as bad as they seem in that moment. Incredibly put, man. Couldn't have said it any better myself. Thank so, you. Just closing out, uh, would like to remind everyone to register and to go vote because everyone does have a voice and it's very important for yourself and everyone else around you. But, yes. Uh, Quinn, again, I'd like to thank you for your time, man. Uh, thanks for joining us on Next Up. Yes. And uh, please go follow Quentin at QLaw Nation on Instagram. Yep, QLaw Nation on Instagram, Quentin Law on Twitter. Um, and thank you so much, Brandon. I appreciate it. This show next up is about to be a very big thing for free parking. And I can't be more excited to uh, watch the rest of the season and watch your progression, man. You're killing it. Beautiful. Guest number one, QLaw. And there we have it. Quentin, thank you again for joining me on the show. A lot of takeaways from that conversation that we had. It's not as easy as everyone thinks as it is to be an athlete. Everyone thinks that a lot of student athletes are living the high life and they can pretty much get what they want. And for Quentin to be working in politics right now, I know that industry is extremely competitive. Follow Quentin on social. I think I saw one of his photos the other week or a couple months ago. He actually ran into Joe Biden and he just meets incredible people along his journey. Quentin, I look forward to speaking to you in the future, man. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. So until next time, double peace sign.